Good morning, Jubilee, and uh, happy Easter to you all. And uh, wasn't that good just to celebrate the resurrection as during our worship? And uh, I'm, I'm excited to be able to speak to you this morning. We're going to speak about um, our living hope. Um, but I don't know if any kids are still watching, and I could get into trouble with some parents here. But I'm going to suggest something for you to do for a few minutes while I'm talking. Um, the tomb was empty, and so I wondered whether you might want to, somewhere in your home, recreate an empty tomb, make a sort of a den-type place, like a cave, clear it out. The only thing you're allowed in there at the end of it is a single sheet or a single blanket. And then why don't you uh, take photos of it and uh, send that into the and share them on the on the Jubilee Facebook page? But that could be a way of recreating and remembering uh, the the story that we're looking at today. And uh, before we before you run off and do that, uh, we're going to uh, hear the story in the words of the Bible. So that's coming up in just a minute. But I wanted really for us to think about hope and uh, what is it that you're hoping for at the moment. And there could be all sorts of things going on in your, in your minds as I ask that question. But what is it that you're hoping for? And I wonder, back on that day, 2,000 years ago, what it was that Jesus' followers were hoping for. You see, they'd been on a roller coaster ride. From the despair of Friday that we paused and remembered on Good Friday, the betrayal of Jesus, his arrest, his abandonment, the kangaroo court and miscarriage of justice that happened, the flogging, the beating, the suffering, the crucifixion, and ultimately the death and then burial of Jesus. And that despair would have been palpable. It would have been something they could touch and feel as they lived through it. And that then turned into the gloom of Saturday as the reality dawned on them. But what was that all about? What was it that, that Jesus was really teaching about? All those hopes and dreams that we had just ashed in front of them, locked and sealed in that tomb. The grief that they would have experienced, losing a, a loved friend, their companion, their teacher, and now the bleakness and uncertainty of what the future held. The despair of Friday is only offset by the gloom then that descends on Saturday, until of course, we come to Sunday morning. The women who'd seen where Jesus was buried would come to the tomb in the morning. And I've got two uh, guest readers for you who are gonna tell us that story now. If you wanna follow in your Bibles, it's Luke chapter 24. And uh, so here they are. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb but when they entered they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus they were perplexed about this behold two men just two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground the men said to them why do you seek the living one among the dead? He, he is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the son of the man must be delivered into, 
into the hands of the of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again and they remembered his words and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and all the all, and to all the rest now they were mary magdalene and joanna and mary the mother of james also the other woman with them telling these things to the apostles but these words appeared to them as nonsense and they would not believe them but peter got up and ran to the tomb stooping and looking in he saw the linen wrappings only and he went away to his home marveling at what had happened thank you boy and one of the things that's amazing about this story is i love the first line but on the first day of the week at early dawn and it strikes me that dawn is quite early anyway but they go early dawn the very first opportunity that they could get there they got there and their purpose is to honor the body of their lord the body which had been so cruelly dishonored by other people but on their arrival the stone had been moved and what a mix of emotions again they must have felt after this roller coaster they've experienced it just continues and to be confronted by two angels who claim that jesus is alive i mean it's just beyond belief and yet at the same time it does stack up and they remembered jesus words and so they did it said they remembered in verse 8 they remembered his words and so the women run back to the apostles, the 11, because Judas had come to an untimely end, and all the others, and they tell them the story. They're so excited. And what do the, how do the disciples react? Well, it says these words appeared to them as nonsense, or as another translation has it, as idle tales. But Peter does something different. He gets up and he runs to the tomb. And we know from John's gospel that John also ran to the tomb and he got there first. And it's likely that Luke got his account from Peter and it's interesting that he omits the detail of losing that race. But nonetheless, Peter runs to the tomb and he sees that there's nothing inside apart from the linen. And then he went home and marveled at what had happened. And there it is. There it is. After the despair of Friday and the gloom of Saturday, there it is, a chink of light. A small sign that maybe not everything was lost. Maybe just a little miniature birthing of daring to believe once again. A tiny glimmer of hope. Maybe in Peter, as he goes home and marvels. No answers yet, nothing definitive at this point, simply marveling and wondering at things. Let's read what Peter wrote approximately 30 years later. In the early 60s, he wrote a letter to the scattered churches. And he writes this in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great 
mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Can you see how just a small seed of hope early on that Easter day has grown into something amazing? Peter's saying that we're not just born again, but we're born again to a living hope. And the basis of that living hope is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's remarkable. And it's, it, you see, it's so important to our faith that Jesus was dead. So important to our faith. The cross achieved so much. For example, um, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood. The blood is metaphor for the cross and death on the cross. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. That's what the cross does. Redemption through his blood and forgiveness. Or we could read Colossians chapter 2 verses 13 and 14 which say, When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him having forgiven us all our transgressions, having cancelled out the certificate of debt consisting of the decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. The cross is so important. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. It cannot happen without the cross. The cross means that the punishment for sin is dealt with, the price is paid, we are justified, we are bought back, we are redeemed, we are reconciled, and we are forgiven. But it is the resurrection which provides the seal, the rubber stamp. Resurrection means that the victory is completed. The story didn't end in the grave. Resurrection means that life has taken over from death. And the resurrection is the creator again doing what the creator does, bringing about life out of nothingness. And that means we can experience being born again. We can have new life in us because of the new life in him. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ which gives us the certainty of life and it gives us a future. It's a living hope. And the fact that Peter describes it as a living hope means that it will grow and it will develop. It's not a static thing. It's not something that just gets deposited with us and that's that. It starts off small and it grows. And it grows and it grows like any birth it starts off small and grows and develops. And my prayer for us this Easter is that our hope will grow. And I want to briefly mention two aspects of this living hope that Peter talks about in this passage. The first of these is that it is a hope that is anticipated. By its very definition, Hope is about something which hasn't yet happened. So I'm going to read uh, verses 3 to 5 of 1 Peter 1. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. You who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. You see, immediately after announcing this living hope, Peter draws our attention to the future, to this inheritance which can't perish, can't spoil, can't fade, can't be damaged, can't be frittered away, can't be lost. It is reserved in heaven for you. That is amazing. Our living hope today is focused on eternity. It is focused on dwelling in the presence of Jesus. And that living hope is on the sole basis of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And it will be fully realized in the future, but we can anticipate it now. This living hope is a hope that is anticipated. But secondly, it's a hope that is experienced. You see, it's not just a future thing. It's a living hope. It's effective in the here and the now. The context of, of this letter to Pete, that Peter wrote to these churches is that they're elect exiles. They're scattered all over the place because of the persecution that has happened under Roman rule. The trials which these people are going through and the suffering which has come upon the church. And so they've dispersed, scattered abroad. Peter himself, within a few years of writing this letter, would himself be killed for his faith, crucified. And uh, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith salvation of your souls. This living hope, you see, isn't just a theory. It is a living hope for every day, whatever that day holds. So let me ask you a question. Are you currently distressed by various trials? In the context here, it was the, the persecution of those who called themselves Christians. But various trials spans all sorts of things, things that will come across and test us. Certainly feels like there are aspects of this coronavirus crisis, coronavirus crisis, that are like a trial. Maybe you're finding it tough dealing with the isolation. 
the lack of physical touch, the lack of being around people, the fact that we're on lockdown, the lack of job security, the fact that you might have an unsympathetic employer, you might be facing illness or fear or bereavement or loneliness or despair. And it's really interesting, this whole rainbow thing, because people are looking for hope. They're looking for hope. There are rainbows everywhere, everywhere. The symbol of our lockdown has become the rainbow. The picture you can see on the screen there is on a driveway in a street just near us. People looking for hope. And the rainbow, we know the rainbow points to something greater. It was the sign of the covenant God gave to Noah after the flood. And at Easter, we celebrate the inauguration of the new covenant through bread and wine at communion, demonstrated at the cross, sealed with the empty tomb. What we have to offer people is hope, real hope in a crisis, living hope. On the screen now, you might see this stained glass cross, which uh, Pauline organised as part of the Easter blog series. And so I'm sure some of the photos of these will be appearing on our Facebook feed as children do these. But you need to know this. This living hope, which Peter talks about, is enough for you. And it's enough for me. Paul, in writing to the Romans, promises something incredible as well in line with this. Romans 5 verses 3 to 5. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Isn't that amazing that Paul, like Peter, can talk about living in a time of trial or tribulation and says that actually what's going on is character development, which culminates in hope. And hope does not disappoint us. It's not an empty promise. In the midst of the trials, there is hope. There is a living hope. Do you remember this old hymn? God sent his son, they call him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my saviour lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living, just because he lives. That's what we celebrate this morning, this living hope. The cross is empty, the tomb is empty, but the throne is occupied. Jesus is risen and we have a living hope because he is our living hope. It's a living hope that our inheritance is prepared and kept unspoiled, imperishable, 
unfading for us. It's a living hope that through these trials, which we're currently experiencing, we will come forth victorious as gold tested by fire. It's a living hope that makes sal the salvation, which is possible through the cross, it is made sure through the resurrection. May you know this Easter time a living and growing hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Happy Easter to you all.